It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardi. Hello Bardi. Hello Wendy. And our tactics guy and a man who's going to get married for a third time this week. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello Nathan. Not the third time this week to be <laughs> fair, but uh, yeah, definitely a selfish quantity of marriages I accept. Looking forward to it. And the weather looks good as well. Yeah, yeah. Last I checked, it's looking like 25 degrees. Uh, we've had some storms recently, hope those don't mm. continue, but yeah. Uh, and the invitation said to dress for outdoor games. So I imagine Bardi's yeah. going to be like super ultra competitive on the, I don't know, croquet lawn or whatever you've got lined up. <laughs> I, badminton, badminton. I, I really like, I really like badminton. It's, it's pretty, it's yeah. pretty good. It's a fun game. It's I really may, fun. Um, because now there's lawn games, I may dress in, in attire, which allows me to like stretch my legs and, and be more flexible mm. and athletic. Mm. So I may just turn up in my running gear. Nice. Honestly, that's fine. That's fine. Do it. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Um, we've just been pondering what to talk about. I mean, there are bits and bobs to talk about. There, there always is with Spurs because there's always so much going on. But um, I think we kick off with transfers. Um, we have actually made a signing. We we announced the signing of Kulusevski on a permanent basis, which I personally was was very pleased about. I, I don't think that is a universal opinion, though. I think some people were kind of like, hmm, you know, good first year, dodgy second year. Yeah. Off. But uh, we we negotiated a reduced fee for Dejan Kulosevsky, got five million off the asking price, and it's to be paid over six financial years. So all in all, a ridiculously cheap deal, I think. It's just, um, it's like when someone asks you what you want for Christmas and you say, oh, I want this or that. Or you give them a list and then on Christmas Day you open it up and you've been given exactly what you've asked for. There's just no, <laughs> there's no romance to it, you know. We've had Kulusevsky two years. He's been here now. We know what he's about. And even though it's a good signing, he's a young player and he, it's, it's, a, it's a really good price if you think about it. Mm. It's just a bit, uh, you know, we know <laughs> who he is. Had it been um, somebody else, we would have been really excited by this. There'd be videos and blogs and everything about it, but it's just good old Kulu. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, some people were 
inexplicably getting upset about the fact that Daniel Levy was trying to negotiate down the transfer fee. How did you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And what, this has provided yeah, equal opportunity to to dunk on that. That's that's mainly what I'm seeing at the moment. Mm. People just get upset for any reason. They're like, oh, he's he's ruining the club. He's he's um, he's negotiating. They're going to get upset. They're going to pull the plug. I don't think so. They didn't <laughs> save yeah. five million pounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's the problem? The uh, the payment. Uh, period of time is longer than his contract. <laughs> yeah, what's that all about? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not the person to ask mm. for, for how that works. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously a good thing that we got him cheaper. It's certainly worth asking a question. We always had the option there to fall back on. There was no chance that it was going to, like, we were going to lose the opportunity to sign him. That was there, irrespective of whether we negotiated the fee down or not. So, in my mind, really good bit of business. Very happy with that one. Um, I guess Kulusevsky signing on permanently leads us to another question. So this is from $43 on my Discord, who says, Would you guys take Longley as the third centre-back if we move on Tanganga, Rodan, Dyer, and Sanchez? As the third centre-back. So Romero, a starting left centre-back, and, and, then Longley. and Longley is third choice. Well, you couldn't play Longley on the right, so you'd need backup to Romero as a fourth center back in there yeah. as well so if you are sort of isolating those roles basically um i mean we're looking at um kilman mm. we've just been linked to tap sober so these are players you can play left and right but for the sake of argument let's say you're going to have two left center backs and two right center backs lingley is the second choice left center back in a season that we're not competing in europe yeah yeah that's, that's probably okay we get him on cheap it's, it's really not the worst business in the world i don't mind it mm. buddy yeah as a as a backup centre back, the price is really cheap. If they negotiate his wages, it's all right. I'm, it's not the most exciting thing. I don't like him. I don't think he's brilliant. But as a part of me is thinking that he just might be a bit too expensive in wages to be a reserve player. That's the only thing. True. Yeah, I wonder what his wages are looking like. I think I was really anticipating him um, coming in and either like being really outstanding technically on the ball and like fine defensively um, or like his calamitous streak <laughs> continuing and him being a disaster. And in the end, he's just sort of been like decent. Mm. He's been like, yeah, he's, you know, he's a bit better on the board than, than Ben Davies, but he's maybe a little less good than carrying it in defensively. Like he's, yeah, I guess he's okay. I don't know. It, it's, I'm really surprised that he's, he's sort of leveled out into a, a medium <laughs> level centre back. But, uh, there was concerns about his ability to play in a back four, but he's before Spurs mainly played in the back four. So uh, yeah, not worried about that. He he can he, he's okay and also a high line. Yeah, it's it's like that's how he's played most of his career. So that's not problem. Yeah, he was he was either going to be incredible or just pure trash, and he's just kind of found his way into the kind of middling kind of all right defender role, which is yeah once again not too exciting. Mm. I mean, I think I'm willing to give him a bit more benefit of a doubt in the sense that it was that season where we, where all of our defenders looked bad. Uh, so maybe in a season where all of our defenders look better, he might his levels might go his individual levels might go up as well. And I do think he's got some ability on the ball. I like the way he can um, feint to come inside and then go on the outside. I like the way he can play passes over the top. Uh, I think defensively he was caught out a few times, but Nathan predicted that in some of his analysis prior to Longley joining. So that wasn't exactly a surprise. But I think Longley is a better centre-back than all of Tanganga, Rodon, Dyer, and especially Sanchez. 
So if we can get rid of those, and that's a big if, then absolutely, yep. I'm all down for Longley being third or fourth choice centre back. Um, I do like the link with Kilman, but um, I think Kilman. I think he's like 26, maybe uh, home homegrown, mm-hmm. obviously. I, I think he's really come on leaps and bounds in the last two years. Mm, I think the price for Kilman might be a little disproportionate compared to what he's actually worth on the basis that he's a Premier League level player who is homegrown. Uh, yeah. Spurs also, according to Alistair Gold, have a long-standing interest in Mark Gurhey. And actually, I really enjoyed this little snippet from Alistair's article. It said, Spurs are also scouring Europe for new centre-backs with an increased use of data and analytics to work out those who will flourish in the Postacoglu system, which is very different to the ones implemented before him. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. Increased use of data and analytics to work out who will be suited. I guess we're looking at perhaps carries, passing volume, interceptions maybe, um, maybe even suppressing data. I think that's a, a good thing. So let, let's see what that uh, yields. I want to say some things and I don't know if I can <laughs> or should. <laughs> then you definitely should. Yes, yes. My understanding is that they will be looking at more in-depth things than those. Mm, intriguing. What's more in-depth than data and analytics? What's that, like blood sampling? <laughs> no, 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 no. Still within the... So, Wendy gave the example of, of pressures and, and whatever else, and I'm saying other mm. stuff. I'm really... You're, I'm really been walking to a trap here. I have to stop. Yeah, fair. Really, really interesting, and um, let's see what that search brings up. But it's clear that we are looking for centre-backs. Uh, there are snippets around centre-backs leaving. So Sanchez, it seems, has accepted that he will leave this summer. There's um, a report out today about the fact that Dyer only has one year left in his contract. And there's some unknowns there. Tanganga, who has previously been linked with a bunch of Serie A clubs, I imagine will get linked with more Serie A clubs this summer. Um, hmm. It's of Roden. Um, I think Alistair said that that Postacoglu wants to have a look at him in preseason and work out what to do with him. But so you know, obviously had a very disappointing year last year. Uh, I'm I'm not going to rule out the fact that Roden could have a part to play. I think you know, clean slate, see what happens. He's obviously not a bad player, but uh, I think it more likely that Dyer probably stays than Roden. Sure, sure. So Dyer played a significant portion of last season with an injury, and therefore mm. you. Uh, maybe give him a bit of leeway there. Um, we have just, like during recording, been linked to Tapsoba, um, who absolutely rocks. <laughs> uh, he would be ex- he would be very expensive, um, but worth it. He can play left and right. He can play aggressive and passive. Mm. He's excellent on the mm. ball. Uh, he's good in the air. Uh, he's everything you want your centre back to be, like, except for homegrown or. Um, He's 24 actually still, so yeah, except for homegrown. Yeah, uh, if we if we spent us a very significant portion of the budget on him, uh, we would not be misstepping, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, linked by Fabrizio Romano, of all people, so yeah. probably a decent source. Andy Armour. Mm, nice. Isn't Eric Dyer back training, smashing those battle ropes? Is he? I haven't seen mm, that. I think so. Was he not with... Oh. <laughs> I was about to say, is he not with England? But like, no, <laughs> no, he's not with England. Nathan, come on. He's obviously not injured <laughs> enough that he can't swing the ropes. He's, he's, he's working hard. You know, that's what they always do. A player who's had a terrible season, they just, mm. they just leave their holiday pretty, They leave their holiday early. I think he's getting married soon. That, that was the ITK that I was um, dished up. Okay, okay. <laughs> 
Interesting. Uh, another link um, today is James Madison, who obviously has been linked for months now, if not That's years. The first, I'm hearing. <laughs> um, but it does seem to be stepping up a little. So Scott Wilson, who is chief sports writer from the Northern Echo, said that we are ahead of Newcastle in the battle to sign James Madison, and he suspects things might move fairly quickly once tonight's England game is out of the way. Uh, I have also heard that we fancy our chances of signing Madison over Newcastle. Um, and I think there was reporting earlier this week or end of last week around the fact that his girlfriend wants doesn't want to live in Newcastle, uh, <laughs> which is fair enough. Like if you if it comes down to where you'd like to live, then you know I think a lot of players would choose London. It happens, man. Like London has a significant sway sure. on, on where players. Um, by the way, uh, we definitely, definitely did not submit an official bid of fifty million for both Madison and Bounds because we're just wasting our time if we're trying to do that and and pissing it's them silly, off. Silly, isn't it? <laughs> you, <laughs> there's no chance. There's no chance. What are your thoughts on Harvey Barnes? I don't think he's right for the role of a winger in a Postecoglou system. No. I like him. I think he's good. Yeah, he's good. But um, the, the the player who stays out wide mm. and takes his player on and creates from out wide is not who who Harvey Barnes really is. So I don't I don't get that one. Yeah, exactly. He's more of a drive into the middle and get beyond the striker and yeah. get into the box. Play one twos yeah. and get in the box. We've already got uh, Udoji who does that. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. From that side, exactly. Um, yeah, I think Barnes is a good player, but again, I agree. I don't think he's right for the system. I don't think he's necessarily a good fit for what we need right now. Um, probably a little old in terms of the age profile we'd be looking for, maybe. Sure. Um, I guess because they got relegated, they're looking for a bargain. There's probably some value to be had with the Leicester squad. And he's clearly a good player. Uh, and Bardi, this one I'm sure piqued your interest. Uh, Hoybier, interest from Premier League and Bundesliga clubs, including Bayern. <laughs> yeah, all right, I believe that. But um, good luck. I hope um, hope he does go. I hope he has a nice, successful career somewhere. <laughs> I do. Um, I do agree with Scott Wilson, chief sports writer of the Northern Echo. I do think a lot might be happening once the internationals are over and done. Um, I would just like to put a little shout out there for for Unai Simon, who I thought was brilliant again for Spain. Keeping he keeps our our favourite David Raya on the bench as well. Thought mm. he was really good in the Nations League. Mm. He's on my list. I like him. I liked him in uh, the World Cup um, and in the Euros and the World Cup. I think there's something about him. He made some mad saves in the penalties as well. Quite brilliant. Interesting. Just want to go back to uh, Mark Gay. I know you're a fan of him, Windy, mm. but um, I think that he's not quite the right profile. Uh, for us to play on the left to compliment Romero I mean um, and also he's bad in the air which yes. is a master on left centre back because of Romero's own deficiencies in the air yeah I think that's a fair point yeah yeah, I, I definitely think he is destined for a bigger club than Crystal Palace but I think you're right sure. it's not the right time for him for Spurs mm. oh here's one um, how do you feel about the ethics of selling to a Saudi Arabian football club if we if we got offers for Dyer, Roden uh, Tanganga Sanchez all of them at once mysteriously all on the same day for, from a variety of different clubs all from the same league how would that make you feel I think it stinks but I think it's highly likely that we'll sell at least one player to a Saudi Arabian club this summer yeah it feels that way, doesn't it? I, I wouldn't be against it. I mean, quite the, nice. there's there's some sketchy stuff going on with ownership. Um, well, several of the top clubs are owned by the PIF, which is essentially the Arabian government. Yeah, but they're competing against each other in the same league. Yeah, um, it's obviously also part of the same overall football operation they've got going on, owning 
multiple uh, European clubs and uh, hosting international tournaments and so on. Mm-hmm. Indeed, I suspect we will have players linked with Saudi Arabian clubs for much of the summer. Uh, it sounds like some of the transfers have gone through incredibly quickly as well, which typically leads me to believe that they're overpaying. Uh, or paying up front, I would imagine. That quite they're possibly. They're going to just say, here's the lump sum, and that's attractive to clubs because no one else is doing that mm, right now. Yeah, indeed. To be honest with you, the, the market has become so stale, it's become impossible to sell anybody. It has given something it has it's going to rejuvenate the market once again uh if players keep being sold then eventually it will trickle down and we'll be able to sell other players as well yeah i think especially top end premier league clubs no one is paying the wages that we're paying and that that means that our selling market is tiny mm. unless players take pay cuts or whatever yeah i mean or a comp say in dombele even perhaps maybe not the sell so but there will be players in our team that we will we will sell there mm. i think it does seem likely um going to answer a few questions about the academy because there's a bit of exciting academy player news this week so uh, sorry Wendy I know you've got questions here specifically mm. I want to I'm going to use my co-host privilege to dive in right so so the, what I'm understanding is that we used to have a very uh, sort of stringent wage cap on our academy side yes um, and that was enforced by McDermott who yes. believed in in keeping players hungry yeah, yeah. That, that they should want to they should want to play for us um, because they want to play for us and they should um keep pushing to become pro-level uh, footballers yeah. if they want to earn pro-level football money. And then Paratici's come in and said, no, look, we're losing all these players. They're all going abroad. They're, we're not playing them. So if we want to keep them, we're going to have to pay them. And so now we're, we've are we restructured. We, we've massively increased sort of our our, our budget for, for youth players. Um, and that is why this Mikey Moore character who you're about to tell us about has, has signed... Are you going to tell us how you feel about these decisions? Because mm. I'm I'm curious. Yeah, so um, five or six years ago, I was told that the first contract that a Spurs player would get out of the academy was, I think it was somewhere between one and 3,000. I can't remember the exact figure. My memory's awful. Um, so this is when a player turns 17. They can only sign a pro contract once they turn 17, which is why when players turn 17, you, you normally get an announcement on that day, on their birthday or, or around yeah. there. So what that means in, in reality is before they sign on for a scholarship, so Mikey Moore is 15, he's going to start his scholarship next year, they'll sign a pre-contract saying, you're going to sign up for a scholarship between the ages of 16 and 18, and when you turn 17, we're going to pay you this amount of money. Uh, and this happens at all clubs. This isn't just a Spurs thing. This is a universal Premier League Academy thing. So yes, we were paying between one and 3,000 to our 17-year-olds as their first contract. I think... A week. Yes, which is still a lot of money for a 17-year-old. I mean, they're talking... £2,000 a week for a 17-year-old is an absurd amount of money. It's a very sure. good wage. But Chelsea were paying up to £25,000. I mean, generally less than that. But there, there were examples... I mean, Hudson-Odoi sure. was the, the example of a player being given shed loads of money as his first pro contract. And I'm sure the same has happened with others as well. How do you compete with that? So there are two ways you can compete with that, I think. Opportunity or facilities, quality of coaching, quality of facilities. The opportunity has dried up at Spurs. That was illustrated, I think, by last year, us losing two England under-16 players. Um, Sam Amo, Amayor and Jaden Magoma both joined Southampton uh, to do their scholarships. Amo Amayor made his 
first team debut at the end of the season, age 16 or 17. Um, we've lost countless other players over the years before they even started the scholarship. And then within once they've begun their scholarship as well, uh, opportunity has been a real problem at Spurs or even just having a pathway towards opportunity has been a problem at Spurs. Um, obviously, our facilities are top notch. Our coaching, I don't know, is anymore. We've lost a lot of coaches over the last few years for one reason or another. John McDermott is working for the FA. He's taken Dean Rustrick with him in the last week. I'm told that isn't something that we should be too worried about, but it's something we need to note at least that, that, that again, we've lost another important figure in the academy system. Uh, Paratici coming in, losing Amo Amior and Magoma last summer and saying, right, that's it. We can't have this anymore. I think is unfortunately the right decision. I think the, the, I think the rationale that John McDermott had was a good one but it had to sit within the context of players having a pipeline, of there being a pipeline and players having opportunity. Without the pipeline, without the opportunity, I don't think we can have a hard wage cap on our young players internally. I think it's it means we'll just forever lose players and what's the point in having an academy if you're not going to actually develop players for the first team? So I think some more investment is a good thing. Um, specifically on Mikey Moore... Uh, there's two players that we we should be very excited about. There's Callum Olasezi and there's Mikey Moore. Mikey Moore is um, absolutely the one grabbing the headlines, but Olasezi scored for England under 16s last week. He's a central midfielder, very highly rated. Mikey Moore is a left winger, a right footed left winger who. I, I guess who would you compare him to? Eden Hazard, maybe? He's weird. He's, he's very dribbly. Yeah, he. He stands super upright, but he was also quite dribbly at the same time, which is a weird combination. Yeah, um, he loves a re- sort of reverse <laughs> angle through ball. He does. Um, that's, Often that's, my, that's my main read. Yeah, yeah, and and really good finisher. Uh, he he's an exceptionally okay. exciting prospect who lots of other big clubs were sniffing around. So getting him tied down was a real boost. I would say don't expect to see him anytime soon. Having said that, he has trained with the first team squad already at fifteen. I mean, he's built like he's he's not like a skinny little kid like, you know, Ryan Mason was a 15. He's he's big enough and strong enough to be able to cope with a bit of first team training. Uh, but I imagine he'll play mostly between the under 18s and under 21s next season, maybe even the season after that. Um, and then perhaps we'll start to see him getting opportunities on the bench and whatnot. But it's uh, it's good news. So we had a question about Mikey Moore from Edvard MS. Uh, from a Discord, we've also got this from Kyle Findlay, who says, With the reports that Mundell has turned down a contract offer, are you surprised? Has there been a slow decline of our academy, given the couple of managers who've been very resistant to promoting our youth players to the first team in any meaningful way? What would this mean for our academy moving forward? Maybe I'm reading too much into the whole thing, but it doesn't seem good. Um, and and that is definitely an issue. Remain, Remain Mundell um, is, to be honest, not a player I had my eye on early on, but really really improved last year and had a really good season and looked pretty decent um and absolutely Spurs would have wanted him to stay like there's no doubt about it they would have loved to have tied him down to a contract and and had him around uh but like I said the opportunities haven't been there so it's really difficult for players to commit when there's no obvious route for them to get into the first team and I think he has made absolutely the correct decision for him in terms of going and finding a club that will actually play him he's like 20 so it's a good time it's a good time for him to go and and find some football um and in terms of like the slow decline i don't i don't blame Mourinho and conte for this at all this is this is a problem that started before they 
arrived at the club. This absolutely was happening under Pochettino at the end of his tenure. Uh, of course, it continued under Mourinho and Conte, who blooded very few young players. Or if they blooded them, they literally just blooded them. They gave them their debuts and then did nothing else, which is kind of insufficient. Um, and people are saying, you know, hopefully that will change now with Postacoglu. He has more of a reputation for working with younger players. The statement that Daniel Levy made implied that we'd be seeing more of the academy players. And my response to that is... Yeah, maybe. Let's let's wait and see. Because I've heard it said so many times about managers giving opportunity to young players and, and many times they haven't followed. So let's wait and see. I think it'd be great if Alfie Devine was involved in the first team in the coming season. But who knows? Maybe he'll just be sent out on loan and the youngest player we'll see is, I don't know, some like Saar who we've already seen a bit of. Um, definitely something to watch for the current season. I think just having one player get an opportunity and get regular games can send such a signal to the rest of the academy players and then we'll can, can completely change the mindset of our young players and they'll think, yeah, there is a future here for me at Spurs. I can get into the first team. Um, and we've not had enough of that, certainly, in the last few years. So let's let's um, let's see how it pans out. Any any uh, questions, comments on the Mikey Moore situation? Have you seen the video of him, Bardi? Um, com- any I compilations? I saw the the highlights. Didn't, didn't they win a, a cup, the youth cup or something? I saw something there. Um, Munda mm. was the guy that I was quite interested. He seems mm. he seems determined to go, and um, where he's been linked to uh, a team in Belgium. Is he that good? I think he could. I think he could play first team football in Belgium. Okay. I think that's uh, that would seem like a sensible move. I guess it's similar in a way to Marcus Edwards going to Portugal and uh, and getting first team football there. Um, you know, dropping down to a lower quality league, but playing in a in a top flight with skillful players and where the football is really meaningful. I think it's really important for a young player's education. That, and they just at, at twenty, they need to be playing. It's uh, really important for his career that he plays. So yeah, I think he's made a good judgment call in um, seeing out his contract and going elsewhere. But it's it's a pity. And when these young when these youngsters leave, so for example, Madueke is probably the most famous one, though that he went Mm. to PSV. There, Chelsea spent a load of money on him. We don't make anything off that. There's no percentage fee or anything like that. Probably not. No, probably not because he would need to be on. So like that is the case for Edwards, Mm -hmm. and I think that he'll probably move. Maybe this summer, maybe next summer, um, and and we we have some percentage on him because because we got him to do we get him to a pro contract mm-hmm. or do we get him to a school? Yeah, we got so because it was a pro contract, you can more easily put clauses on that, but you can't really put those clauses on like a an academy contract because that's not how it works, basically, right? Mm. Wendy, I'm 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 um. Do you do you think that there's anything to this keeping players hungry? by underpaying them thing like do you do you put any stock in in mcdermott's position i i kind of appreciate the old school values of not giving them too much too young i think like um how many players have we seen that have like gone to a 20 grand a week wage and then just haven't fulfilled their potential like john bostock's a really obvious example um yeah Trying to think of other, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are loads of others uh, over the years where the same things happen. And of course, not all of it is down to money and motivation. There's there's so many other factors that that inhibit sure. progress. But if if McDermott was working with these players week in week out, and he saw what happens once, and was speaking to other academy managers as well, and then using their experiences, uh, maybe there was something in it. I I just think. You can't continue doing that when even Southampton, who've just been relegated, are paying more and offering more opportunity. I just don't think you can maintain that position. So I think Pratichi was correct to make that change. 
It's a really, um, it's a really difficult one to decide because, of course, you say no, no, you got to keep him hungry, but then you do kind of step into the kind of proper football, your dad <laughs> kind of comments. But then there are also the kind of the fallbacks and the pitfalls that does happen with giving a youngster a lot of money. A few months ago, when I spoke to Dominic Ball, he he spoke quite candidly and openly about the first time he signed a, a major contract at Spurs, and all of a sudden you're this young kid who's making so much money compared to his friends, and his friends are living a certain lifestyle, and now he could just go in there and just take them out go drinking bottle bottle service the rest of it it is difficult so I, even though I appreciate the kind of idea of trying to keep them hungry you've also got to reward them but then you've got to kind of trust that the players will stay mm-hmm. focused it's a it's a balancing act but I guess that's that's ultimately what will separate a promising youngster to one that turns into a um, a fully fledged pro mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the I think. thing, the background and the support and everything else. That's Ultimately, these footballers are all brilliant. They've got to this age and they're incredible. And it's just the next step is mentality and personality, whether or not they can make it through. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, I mean... It, it, it. They're gonna get paid that much at some point, yeah. right? <laughs> like uh, you know, I the that much money is in the industry, mm-hmm. and and we're competing against all these other teams. And you know, if if their if their labour is worth that much, then then we've got to be paying competitively if we want to bring through younger players. I I just I don't really understand this. I don't really understand the the pride position. I'm very glad that we changed things. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. Oh, I think it's the right call in the long term for sure. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Um, before we talk about some club matters, I will hand over to Bardi because for 2023, we are partnered with AG1. I gave AG1 a try because I like to keep my body stuffed with all the vitamins I need, especially now it's summer and there's distractions all over the place. Smashing sandwiches while sitting back and watching the cricket to heading out to the beach to enjoy the weather. Wherever I go, I always take AG1 with me. They're my little green (laughs) friends. I'll slip a sachet of AG1 in my backpack and I know I've got 75 vitamins there to back me up. Not getting what you need in terms of vitamins? Get the green amigos in your system. Water, shake and drink. And why not add a dash of dash or two of vitamin D as well to help your body out? Lovely stuff. AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category and helps you build your health foundation first. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. So this week... 
the club announced its candidates for the fan advisory board. Uh, there are, and this is quite confusing, there are there are different candidates depending on which category you fall into. So one Hotspur yeah, member, <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of weird. I don't know why we've done it this way. One Hotspur member's got a list of candidates, season ticket holders got a list of candidates, and official club um, chair people maybe um, got another set of candidates. Um, so Nathan, do you, want to, do you want to talk us through what you think about this? Yeah, well, okay, first of all, I have to say this is something that I am strongly in favour in that I've, I've talked about before. We've got to get fans on the boards. And then they come out with this and you sort of don't really know um, what this will actually materialise as, what this actually means, how much these roles will have any real genuine impact. Um, certainly the, the club are quite forward with the fact that they're not going to have any real power, right? So this is way, way, way short of what it should be, but mm. at least it's a tiny step in the right direction. But because the role is likely so stripped, you sort of don't really know what you're looking for. Maybe it's literally just someone to report back, at which point are they not just mouthpieces of the club, right? So it's it's tricky to know who we should be wanting. Um, and I think that the statements of the five candidates um, kind of reflect mm. that. They're just giving, I'm a Tottenham fan. I've been a Tottenham fan for this long. I've got experiences in this areas. There's leadership and there's negotiations. And um, I think the club should play good football. Uh, I, I'm, I'm talking to, um, I'm being too disparaging now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, and then they've sort of all kind of said the same thing. Um, for me, I liked um, Hermani Patel's. Same. I thought hers was probably the, the best worded. But, but again, they're all along those same lines. Um, so I think Hermani's going to be my vote. Um, but yeah, I, again, yeah, sort of a lot of the same, to be honest, and a lot of confusion over what exactly it is that we're voting for. Yeah, that's why I was confused when I saw your list of names. They didn't match up the list of names that I got because I guess it was totally different. Yep. And um, most of the, the blurbs were the same. People have been supporting Spurs all their lives, showing how fully coised they are. I do think, the, so this this kind of fan representative, this staff rep thing, I guess, is, I guess is what they're doing. It could be a good thing. So if Spurs come up with an idea and they test the water, they'll go out to this group of people and say, look, we're planning on, I don't know, giving a free pie for all season ticket holders at every game. Just is just a bullshit example. But we're planning to do this. They go and ask these people, is this a good idea? And you would hope that the fan advisory board could feedback yes, this is a great idea, or no, don't do this, this is ridiculous. This is like saying happy birthday to Eric Dyer the day after he's um, scored an own goal or something like that. So it could work it if they take proposals to the fan board and say, look, this is what we're going to do. How do you feel about it? So I think that that could work. Mm -hmm. They're not going to have a, a massive input in, in decision in like the direction, but there'll be a sounding board for the club. And in that sense, I think it works. There's a lot of people getting quite upset. Like, oh, but the club are just going to do what they want anyway. And ultimately, they they do and they will but mm. hopefully they'll ask this group of individuals and this group of individuals will be will have their heads screwed on enough to be able to give a decent response that's that's all we can hope no the, the club claim that the remit of the fab will include the strategic vision and objectives which i think is promising that at least like you say at least there'll be a sounding board at least they'll have some input at least yeah. they'll be able to um i guess vote on whether they think particular moves are a, a, a good idea or not, of course, Spurs can just go ahead and do whatever they want anyway. But I like this. And obviously, it would be terrible PR if the FAB are unanimous on a particular issue and Spurs go off and do it anyway. Um, so there's a little bit of 
holding to account there that I can absolutely appreciate. Um, well, there'll be some, there's got to be some like NDAs and stuff that anything discussed. Yeah, quite, they can't leak. quite possibly there'll be some. There'll be, I'm sure there'll be some some private documents that are shared that they they can't talk about, like you say, because they'll be commercially sensitive. Um, just to add, so so here we go. This is this is the the composition of the fan advisory board. It's a representative of season ticket holders of the men's team. So that's the list that Bardi got. A representative of season ticket holders of the women's team. A representative of one Hotspur members, so that's the list that Nathan and I got. A representative of international supporters clubs. A representative of domestic official supporters clubs. Two representatives of the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust. A representative of the Proud Lily Whites, the LGBTQ Plus Supporters Association. A representative of Spurs Ability, which is the Disabled Supporters Association. And a representative of Spurs Reach, which is Race, Ethnicity and Cultural Heritage Supporters Association. So I really do appreciate the fact that the Spurs are attempting to appoint a, a diverse, a truly diverse panel. Um, I think that's a really positive step. Um the club are to be represented by Donna Marie Cullen, who is an executive director, and Levi Harris, who is a head of supporter engagement, um, with some uh, other board members attending selected meetings, I guess, when it's relevant to their role. Um, I think it's, as, as Nathan said, I think it's largely positive. I, I really liked Tamali's um, uh, piece as well. Um, uh, we're not going to have, like, everyone's going to, have a reason to vote for someone else. Um, you're going to read. You're going to read the manifestos, and and they'll appeal to you depending on on who you are and what you what you want from them. One person I can vouch for is someone who I've worked with personally, who is standing for the uh, representative from the domestic official supporters clubs, and that is Tristan Foot, who I would say is exceptionally knowledgeable when it comes to governance. And I believe a strong enough candidate to um, to have his say in, in these meetings and, and put a, a very reasonable and, and rational view across. And were I able to vote for Tristan, I absolutely would. So, you know, if you're able to vote in that category, then, then certainly bear him in mind. He's a really, really good guy. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a good thing. I'm, I'm excited to see who gets appointed, who gets elected and excited to see some updates from them once the, the board meetings start. Can I can I just say I'm not sure is this really it's probably not for our listeners anyway. But these people, it's not their fault, you know. If if Spurs don't win something yeah. or things go wrong, it's not it's not their fault. In the same way, it's not the trust's fault that but it's waste money and they they don't achieve things. So leave them alone, yeah. If um, yeah, things go wrong, yeah. don't go after them on Twitter. Be nice. It's not their fault. Yeah, indeed. And you know, as you can see from each of the um, manifestos, they're all lifetime supporters who are very much in love with the club hmm. and want the best for the club and they're giving up their time to represent us um and should be appreciated and applauded for that in my opinion um we got this message from an anonymous listener uh who said i'm ranting as i think you three are the only ones who have addressed this i'm doing my best to hold back on engaging with the levy posts and comments which always entail the usual penny pincher cheap and other clear anti-semitic shots used against jewish people I don't think these people necessarily mean it, but my dog whistle keeps going off as I read them. No matter the situation, it's always leave you this and leave you that, even when he and the club have done nothing wrong. I want change, we all do. What that is, who knows? But I'm growing tired of the underlying anti-Semitism that seems obvious to me. 
And I think um, that person has been very kind by saying that essentially these people are ignorant, they don't know what they're saying, you know. I think, to be honest, by this point, it has been pointed out enough times. Uh, I don't I don't give these people the benefit of a doubt anymore. If there's anti-Semitism or anti-Semitic dog whistles within these tweets, then I am, I'm blocking and muting as I go along. I don't want to be... To, to read the tweets and views of these people. Um, and I think it's a real problem that, that people who are trying to coordinate things without within the Enoch Out movement need to take a stronger stance on and distance themselves from because it completely undermines the message if it's littered with, with anti-Semitic remarks. I think people genuinely are that ignorant to the things that they're saying and they're unconsciously, unknowingly uh, spreading anti-Semitic tropes. Um, and correcting them all one by one is exhausting. Yep. <laughs> um, and I don't expect anyone to to take that role. Um, I don't know. I can't be dealing with them anymore. These, this purple and gold lot, I just, it's just, I've had enough. They just bore me to, they just bore me to death, man. I can't be dealing with it. Leave me out. Every little thing is leave me out. Just, just shut up. That's how <laughs> they, I feel about it. And, yeah. Yeah. The thing is, like, it's, I don't know, it's like a legitimate way to feel. Mm. Um, and I think that prior to the hiring post, Cogley, things are getting um, very difficult for his possession position as chairman. But as you say, buddy, it's when every little thing, um, irrelevant things that don't connect up and don't make sense, and uh, it it undermines the argument, right? To to bring it back to Levy out because um, you know our rivals with unlimited money have spent two hundred million players on a play that we could never possibly have afforded. Therefore, Levy has to go. It's just like it doesn't. There's not a beginning of a conversation there. Yeah, um, I do have a serious question for you two, though. Can you tell me a little bit about Alex Scott? Who is this person? <laughs> um, how is that linked to the previous discussion? I don't know. It just came into my head because <laughs> I was just thinking, oh, Spurs are getting really upset if we're not signing like marquee players. So then we turn around and we get linked mm. to a young, promising. I guess it must be a young and promising player. And it's just like, mm. and then once again, it's oh, Levy's going for the cheap option. Is he a cheap option? Is he an expensive option? Is he a smart option? He, he's definitely not a cheap option. That's for sure. Uh, Bristol City are going to demand a lot of money for Alex Scott. And I think 20, 25. I think, I think they'll ask for more. They might not get more. Um, I think it's inevitable he'll go this this transfer window or within the next two. Um, he's on a contract until 2025. Um, so 19-year-old central midfielder, kind of a do-it-all central midfielder, but probably at his best when um, let off the leash a little. I first saw him play when he was playing as a right wing back he was covering for an injured player and he was the best player on the pitch out of position just making all the right decisions really smart like I was watching him thinking I really like to cut this guy's jib but he looks really young like what's going on how is how is he making such mature decisions looked him up I was like oh that's Alex Scott oh my god I remember him from the English England under whatever age groups yeah he was like an 18 year old playing like a 28 year old out of position at right wing back. He's he's really good. He's also best friends with Alfie Devine, um, okay. which is interesting. Tell me more about how he does and doesn't compare to Alfie Devine. I think Alfie Devine um, is more of a sort of mercurial player than Scott. 
Scott's a little bit more functional. I, I watched Alfie play for England at some level. What what tournament will I have recently Under seen? Under-20 World playing, Cup. Under-20 World Cup. And he was playing... So he played a couple of games as a number 10 and then he played a game against, was it Iraq, as, as a central midfielder. Um, and he didn't blow me away in terms of what he actually achieved, but he clearly was at a higher technical level than every other player in the England yeah. squad by, by a noticeable way, to be honest. Yeah, he's absolutely superb for his age. Um, I'm very excited about Divine. I think he's the best young player we've produced in, well, kind of produced because we signed we signed him from Wigan, but he's... <laughs> Our producer. Yeah, he's really, really good. Um, but I, I would love Alex Scott. I just think our budget might be needed elsewhere this summer on more established players, sure. but we could have got him sooner and we should have got him sooner. He's really, really good. Do you think he he would suit the role as a, a Postecoglou number eight? Yeah, I do, I do, I do. I even you know because I'd seen him play so well at right wing back, I was thinking, God, he'd be so good as like the inverted fullback role. Inverted. But we've got so many right backs, like that's not going to happen. I can't see that happening. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, Bard, he's he's a big talent, but he won't come cheap. Thank you. That won't stop people with um, certain coloured circles <laughs> in their username from complaining if we were to buy it. Oh, just, of just, course. Just is a of warning. course. Of course. <laughs> There's the fucking theme colours of my wedding and they have ruined. <laughs> <laughs> that is unfortunate, to say the least. And 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 because of you know my own curated timeline, I can't go a day without them being referred to as the UKIP colours <laughs> as well. I just come on, man. To finish off, then Voodoo Chopsticks Dan says, in the Nations League final, how the hell did Croatia keep a clean sheet against Spain with Perisic left back for 120 minutes in the back four? Yet for us, it feels like he and we got cooked every time sprinted down his every time someone sprinted down his side. Did either of you catch that game? I I I did not. I saw about ten minutes of it as I occasionally sort of walked through the room. That's the, uh, it, from what I saw of it, it was played at such a slow pace right. that it suits Perisic's game. He also he was playing despite playing as a fullback, he was playing a very attacking role. They they lent on him quite heavily um, for final third creation. From what I saw, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't it know. also it also helps. <laughs> it's international. Football. Yeah, and it helps when you got a, a midfield that can hold the ball and you don't yeah. get caught out of position. They got three brilliant midfielders plus Pasalic as well who could drop into midfield. So that helps. And also you're you're up against a Spain team who, despite being pretty good, they're not that good. They don't they're not really that exciting going forward Morata's still leading the line I watched the Italy-Spain game and I could have gone either way Jamie Spaniard's got a last minute goal um yeah so that's kind of like how you can defend against Spain just that they're not that exciting not that vibrant going forward mm. who was he up against on his side in the final uh Navas oh. <laughs> Navas was the right back for Spain I mean there we go <laughs> <laughs> There's your answer. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub. We love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.